Good evening, everybody, and welcome in to a Victory Monday here on the Scarlet and Gray podcast. The Ohio State Buckeyes are 1-0 to start this season. Before we get into the game tonight, I am Tyler Johnson. I am joined by Jordan Dalton. JD, how you doing today, man? Doing great. You know, we could have done this podcast Saturday night for all I'm concerned. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of stuff to talk about, so I'm ready to get into it. Yes, sir. Definitely a lot to talk about before we get into tonight's episode. As we like to remind you guys, Best Ball Mania 3 right now is going on with Underdog Fantasy, and you have less than a week to enter. The NFL season starts Thursday night. You guys have to hurry up and get your entry in. Again, Best Ball Mania 3, it's only $25 to enter for your chance to win $10 million. Draft your lineup live against other people. You get to choose the players you want on your team. You don't have to have a salary cap like with DraftKings and FanDuel. You get to draft your team. Use code 216 to double your first deposit up to $100. And if you guys have any questions that you want us to answer about the game, about Ohio State football, feel free to drop them into the chat. And with everyone that's joined us tonight, just a reminder with subscribing to Twitch, all you have to do, it's free with Amazon Prime. There is a crown that is going to be available on your screen. Just click that and you can subscribe for free with Amazon Prime. And also remember, you have to subscribe every single month. That's one of the things with Twitch, unfortunately, that is a little bit of a pain. Is you just have to make sure you're subscribing every single month to the channel. But some of the perks, every show of ours is live on Twitch. Exclusive giveaways live on Twitch. So... It's definitely worth it. Even if you don't subscribe with Prime, it's only five bucks a month. And that's the same as Peacock and some of the other streaming services. So we really appreciate everyone that shows the support for the channel. Thank you guys so much. And JD, one of the things I wanted to get into is I thought that was pretty awesome. And we talked about it pre-show is the fact that they honored the 2002 national championship team. And we were young. I mean, obviously we were in grade school during that time. But what do you remember most about that championship team before we get th- into the game? I think it was the first football game I actually remember. So <laughs> remember, <laughs> remember watching the game, remember the excitement around it, um, being from Ohio and stuff. I think I was five years old. So mm-hmm. uh, it was definitely one of those things that you remember. Like, I, like I've gone back, watched the game um, recently, but – I, I remember bits and pieces of it when I was a kid. So, like, uh, it was cool that they honored, you know, Jim Trestle and Craig Crenwell and all those guys that were on the team. Um, Dustin Fox, he's a big guy in Cleveland media now. So, Cleveland, mm. media. Um, who so, has me blocked? Who has me blocked? I might add. So, just thought I'd throw that out. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was cool. Um, and then I, I thought it was awesome how well received Jim Trestle was. Just with the, the exit that he had from Ohio State with the tattoo scandal and stuff like that, um, and how he's still loved by all Ohio fans, so Ohio State fans, um, and and that and it doesn't seem like there's any ill will there towards Jim. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, man, it, it's really cool seeing that. Especially, I, I was really glad to see that Jim Trussell was back on campus because, like you said, the way everything ended. It was kind of sad the way things had to end with that. Um, obviously, Ohio State went out and got our Meyer, won a championship. But Jim Trestle is one of the great coaches in Ohio State football history. And I think you could make the argument, Ohio State honored him on Saturday night with the way that type of game was that we saw. And as we're kind of going into it a little bit, I think the first thing really to talk about, and that's the injury to J- JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Now, the injury is expected to keep him out probably one to two weeks. That brings the timeline to the Wisconsin game. What are your thoughts on this JSN injury? Because we talked about it on our spaces, on our halftime spaces. By the way, guys, if you weren't there and you want to be on more spaces in the future, follow us on Twitter at the Scarlet and Gray podcast. So the SG underscore podcast on Twitter. But, J.D., what were your thoughts on that injury? Because C.J. Stroud – at the very at the very beginning, when JSN went off, he looked a little unsettled. Would you agree with that? What are your thoughts on how the team performed when Jackson Smith and Jigbo was not on the field? Yeah, so first thing I noticed uh, to start the game for Ohio State was we're throwing the ball and we're trying to get our playmakers involved early. 
uh, mm-hmm. through the air. So, so uh, Travion wasn't getting the ball to start. We weren't running, and we, we, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba gets hurt, and then it seems like we're kind of out of whack on offense. And those drives were like one, two, three, punt, one, two, three, punt. Yeah, and, and that's like a really big issue. It's it's more so. I mean, any any level of football, but if you're throwing the ball a lot and you're not hitting, you're not getting completions, getting first downs, those are short drives. Your defense is on the field a lot. You're never getting in the rhythm. And so with, with Jackson Smith and Jigba getting hurt, um, that's number one. That's the number one receiver in the country right there. That is not no longer a target for C.J. Stroud. And not to mention Julian Fleming, who's number three on the death chart, wasn't even – playing in this game so we're already down two of our top three receivers um so uh and buka ended up coming in and and playing really well and he you know had number one targets uh he led the team in receptions receiving yards he had a touchdown so he ended up coming in and and balling out and he's one of those players that we were looking out for to start the season Mm -hmm. but but you could just tell early on Without without JSN in there, we were we were really struggling to, to find a rhythm offensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that was that was definitely a big part of our our issues early on in the game offensively. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I I fully expect this next week in Arkansas State, we're going to see a lot more in Buka for sure. But hopefully Julian Fleming sees the field, get some playing time, and we can start working in those other guys. That way it's not such a big shock to the offense if, if JSN's not out there for a play. Yeah, and that's and that's definitely a problem, I feel like. you. Sh- here's the thing with Ohio State, man. We have all the talent in the world at wide receiver. I mean, there's no doubt. We, we probably have the most talented wide receiver group, even if we lose JSN. Like, the talent there is just next level that we have compared to anybody else. But when you're that comfortable with a target and they go down, it, it, it did have a chain reaction on the rest of the offense. I really I, I really just wanted to hit on the JSN injury. It looks like he's going to be okay. Something to keep in mind, guys, that is a hamstring injury. Ryan Day said he's even hopefully could play this week. No reason even don't do it. There's no reason to have him play this week. I wouldn't even have him play the next two games and get him ready for Wisconsin. But – J.D., the first thing, though, that I really want to hit on, man, I, I don't know about you, but I think, and again, we don't want to overreact. It's one game, but my friend, I think we have a defense. Oh. Like this, Jim Knowles comes in here, and we have, like, just this guy who is a legend at, as a defensive coordinator. Like, and the thing is, he's kind of slept on as a defensive coordinator. He did good at Oklahoma State, but they weren't, the powerhouse program Ohio State is, now you're seeing this hasn't even been a full year. It's been six months, five months to implement a system. That defense was on fire Saturday night. And I want to read just some of the defensive grades because I know people are going to be interested in this. So the highest grade defensive player was Steel Chambers at linebacker to 76.2. Also, shout out Steel for retweeting two of our posts on Twitter. So that was huge. We really appreciate that. Tyleek Tyleek Williams at defensive line graded out at a 76. Jack Sawyer, 71.8. We're going to talk about him a lot tonight. Tommy Eichenberg, a 71.2. Led the team in tackles. And Cody Simon at linebacker, 70.3. So, man, what about this defense Saturday night? It was fun to watch. Yes, absolutely. Uh, One of the things we touched on last week in the preview show uh, was how, how we expected this defense to play. We expected them to play fast. We expected them to to not sit back and wait. We expected them to attack on defense. Uh, so uh, moving moving the defense around, showing different looks to the quarterback, especially uh, with Tyler Buckner being back there and him being a you know first first career start, especially in a big game. So uh, we expected to see that defense moving around. And then the biggest thing that I touched on last week with the defense is athleticism and speed and that showed itself a lot this weekend and i think i think that they're flying to the football everybody is sound in their assignments i think we saw the biggest play of the game uh, against the defense was the first play of the game. 
Mm-hmm. I, think, I think once we settled in, um, Notre Dame had a really big drive at the end of the second or the end of the second quarter going into the in the halftime where they put together a really solid drive. Mayer was definitely a part of that. And he's he's gonna go on to be a first round pick as a tight end he's the upcoming year. He's so good. Um special man. Great. Yeah, and and I mean you're gonna have you're gonna have players like that where they're they're obviously one of the better players on the field, but he he definitely stood out for Notre Dame. But other than that one drive and that one big play to start the game, our defense was lights out. And they looked they looked energized, they looked excited to be out there, and they looked dominant. Yeah, I mean this defense was flying around to the football and we real I, I we talked about him a lot Saturday night, just going back like in our uh, group chat and whatnot. But Tommy Eichenberg, man, is a baller. This guy moved from the defensive like defensive line and now is linebacker, and you could make the argument is probably our best linebacker. His stats against Notre Dame: he had nine total tackles, six solos, two sacks, three tackles for loss. I mean. I really don't know what more we could have asked from Tommy Eichenberg. The kid was special. And I even have to give a shout-out personally to Zach Harrison. I thought Zach Harrison played pretty well. And I've been in the past, I have given him a lot, like a lot of a lot of crap. Apologize for my dog. He, uh, he wanted to get it on the conversation. But I've given him a lot of crap in the past. I thought he played really well. He graded out at a 68.1. Again, not special, but that's still favorable for PFF. I thought Zach Harrison affected the game. He really was able to get in get in the quarterback's line of vision, which was huge. And that's huge for Zach Harrison because he's a big guy. I mean, and at the end of the day, like this entire defense, Michael Hall Jr., I know you want to talk about him, but Michael Hall Jr., Taron Vincent, Tyler Friday. I mean, we have a really solid defensive line, and we lost some talent from that defensive line. So what are your thoughts on how the defensive line played on Saturday night? Absolutely impressed with everything that they're doing. I mean, super young. Aside from Zach Harrison, I think most of those guys are first time first time on the field. So whether they're redshirt freshmen, redshirt sophomores, um, really young players that haven't seen a lot of playing time, but they looked really good. Uh, And then I know we're going to get into it, but uh, Jack Sawyer, the way they're using him all over the field, he was in, he was standing. So they they would have him lined up left, right side, defensive end, but they would put him down. They put him standing. They put him out. They put him like three yards out to the side. Uh, They dropped him in pass coverage. they, They were using him. Almost like a hybrid linebacker DN kind of was awesome, man. I, I I can't remember how many times I texted you guys. I'm like, okay, what they're doing with Jack Sawyer is fantastic. And, and here's we had no idea that was coming. We had no idea this is what was going to happen with Jack Sawyer. Yeah, and it was it was extremely interesting uh, to just see how they were using him because like last year was super basic offense or defensively, and I know Jim Knowles said prior to this week that they've only implemented about 75% of their defense. So there's, there's a lot that they're still going to be adding in. A lot of these players are still learning the defense. It is brand new defense, but just the the things that we saw in week one, uh, there's, there's a lot to be excited about as a Buckeye fan. Um, The D line is going to be a huge part of it. And to start the game off, uh, we, we touched on it in the spaces, right? Mm -hmm where offensive and defensive line, we're going to be a key to the game. We touched on this last week on the podcast, too, um, and we were dominated in the first half. There's a reason we were losing that game going into halftime. Uh, Notre Dame's offensive line was just punishing our defensive line. Our offensive line couldn't protect Stroud. We were going one and out. Uh, we weren't running the ball. Um, and, you know, I think they, I think they sat those boys down and they were like, hey, you know, we're losing the battle up front, and, and they stepped up big time in the second half. So, mm-hmm. so it starts with that defensive and offensive line, and they they definitely came out of halftime with some fire, and, and it was impressive. I think I think you could definitely see – it wasn't like by, by no means did we blow Notre Dame out of the water, but there was a there was a clear indicator at the end of the game who the better team was. 
Ravens. So I, I think absolutely really impressive. Absolutely, yeah. And I will say, because the defensive line was amazing, and I completely agree with that. One thing that did worry me. It's still a concern until I see otherwise, and it's that secondary. That secondary, I'm still worried about. And we didn't give up. We only gave up 10 points, Like, and that's a great overall defensive effort. Jim Knowles deserves all the credit in the world. But at what point, as a fan base, do we get worried about our secondary? Because I got to read off the grades for the secondary. Ronnie Hickman is 64.8. That's the highest grade you get out of anybody in the secondary. Cameron Martinez, a 60.4. Cameron Brown, a 59.4. The one that really disappointed me, Denzel Burke, 56. Yeah. Tanner McAllister, the guy who was supposed to know Jim Knowles' defense, be the guy that was going to be the leader in the secondary. He had a he had a 56 as well. And then Josh Proctor, a 49.2. Are you concerned at all with this Buckeye secondary? Because, I again, it's one game and we don't want to overreact, but we saw this last year too. And so I think the secondary really does worry me personally. Uh, I hate I hate week one overreactions. It's my biggest pet peeve with football, um, especially college football, uh, with the new defense. So I'm not going to sit here and overreact about the, the secondary. I will say this coming week against Arkansas State is a perfect, perfect time for this defense to settle in because this is – most teams get that week one cupcake. We had we had a, a top five opponent to start the season, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to sit here and overreact about it. If we're if we're giving up these types of grades against Arkansas State, we have an issue. But mm-hmm. um, I think this is a good week. We can implement that defense even more so. The players start settling into their roles because you can sit here, you can look at a grade for Denzel Burke. It's a 56 or whatever. Um, and you can, yeah. you can analyze it and say he had a terrible game, but mm-hmm. you also don't really know what his responsibilities were for each play, what he was trying to accomplish. Um, and so like he might've graded out when they, when they went to film the next day and, and Jim Knowles is sitting down or the defensive back coach is sitting down with, with their, the DBs and they're going over their grades for the game. He might've had a 75 for, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but if he if he's meeting his responsibilities and he's making like because his run defense was like a seventy graded as like a 70, 70, mm-hmm. 70 yeah, which is that's really good. I mean, really tack- good for a corner, a, right? A tackling grade of a seventy three is very good for a corner, right? And so you don't really know what his like passing responsibilities were for each play. And I'm I'm not the one going in there breaking down every play, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to stay here overreact with with the first game of the season, a top five opponent saying that we have a problem with the secondary. If this is a, you know, if this is week six and we're like seeing a consistent trend, then we can start to like sit here and be like, all right, maybe we need to make some changes when it comes to, to the secondary. But I think that's just like my two cents on it. That's fair. No, like, Um, and here's the thing. I, I see that side of it. I guess for me, the reason I think that, Notre Dame's best player was a tight end. I thought Ohio State did pretty good at con- – and I say containing. You were not going to shut down Michael Mayer by any means. No. But five catches, 32 yards, 6.4 yards a catch is fantastic. The thing that worries me, though, about the second – and again, I, I, I'm i kind of on that side too. I'm trying not to overreact to this. But Notre Dame's best player is their tight end. Their wide receiver core is not that good. It, it isn't. And for these corners to grade out that poorly and how it dates back to last year, even on some of the inconsistencies, that's the part that does worry me because, and again, it's probably, it's week one. It really is. It's week one. So, I mean, it's not the end of the world here because there's a long way to go in this season. And, you know, Denzel Burke is probably going to end up bouncing back. I mean, last year he had a 68.8 grade as a corner. I mean, as a, as a freshman corner. So, it's nothing really to like freak out about. It's more so I just – I was expecting against Notre Dame, our secondary to be really pr- like pretty stout considering you mainly just have to worry about Michael Mayer. And the secondary just didn't look that great. But it is I really wanna, I want to turn this around and talk about Notre Dame's secondary. Mm-hmm. Because it, we touched on it last week with the podcast – we thought that would be kind of a weak link for their defense, and I think that was their strongest. Absolutely. Strongest 
part of their entire team was their secondary. Mm-hmm. The way that they were shutting down our receivers, they were making every tackle on open field. We didn't have a single big play against them offensively. Um, and I, I thought their defense played amazing. All things Dude, considered. Their defense. So here's another question I kind of want to bring up because we all had that Ohio State was going to win by two, three touchdowns in some cases. We kind of hit on this briefly in spaces. Do you think as a fan base, not just us personally, but as a fan base, because I think we did, we underestimated Notre Dame? Because I, I personally, I think we do. I, I think we did. Because we all thought we were just going to go in and steamroll them. That was not the case. I mean, until that fourth quarter, there were a lot of people that were pretty nervous. Yeah, and oh gosh, I, I don't know. It's like I want to say like Notre Dame's overrated every year, but they – I think they might football team this year. Mm-hmm. I, I think they might be pretty solid you know in uh, marcus freeman the, his defense is never going to be shabby ever mm-hmm. he's gonna he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the country there's a reason they promoted him the head coach in their day um their defense is always going to be solid so i mean we we definitely were being cocky with Ohio state fans last week but they they definitely looked like a really good football team that had a really young offense. Uh, and you could just tell their offense wasn't very complex. They're they're trying to cater to their their young quarterback who he started the game, what, eight for eight com, uh, completions? Yeah, eight, 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 eight of eight to start the game. Outside of that one deep ball, I would say everything was short completions, but he still showed the composure in the pocket to deliver. But yeah, he didn't complete a single pass after that. I don't think. Mm-mm. And that's and that's when they really started to fall apart. I will say, what's very underrated in all this, and again, we go back to the defense. Thirty carries for Notre Dame rushing the football, seventy-six yards, two point five yards a carry. Absolutely incredible, a- a- absolutely incredible. And we talked about it too last week. Stable. Their stable of running backs is impressive. They didn't. They didn't have a single impact on the game. Not one. They didn't. I, I mean, I, I think with their running backs overall, I think Audric Estemi. He he was the guy, like the the real like power guy that they had. And so from time to time, you could see him like laying out some hits. But he only had nine carries for twenty one yards, two point three yards, and a touchdown. So I mean, no one at Notre Dame really lit it up. I mean, their leading receiver was Lorenzo Styles. He had one reception for 54 yards because Michael Mayer had the most receptions, but they held him in check for pretty much a good portion of the game. It's just incredible. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, you go into this game and you held Notre Dame to 253 total yards. That I I think if we went into this last week with like the defense is going to hold Notre Dame under 300 yards, we would be ecstatic with that. Ecstatic, I, and none we of us would have thought that. And we would have thought we would have won by 40, mm-hmm. 35, yeah. 40. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think it's just, to me, it, it's just incredible how quickly you can really turn something around. And I think Jim Knowles, this man, like, what a hire he was. And I want to kind of hit on him real quick because not that – he just had a great performance Saturday night. Don't remember if a lot of Buckeye fans remember this. Ohio State wanted to hire Marcus Freeman as their defensive coordinator. And when Brian Kelly went to LSU, he tried to bring Marcus Freeman with him. Marcus Freeman declined. And then Ohio State wanted Marcus Freeman as their defensive coordinator. When Notre Dame found out, they made Marcus Freeman their head coach. And I I know it's early with that process. I think they made a good decision. I think Marcus Freeman's going to be a good good college football coach. He he had his team ready to go. Heart really tough environment. His quarterback performed, I thought, admirably given the circumstances. Even though he didn't complete much in the second half, I thought he was pretty composed for the most part. He didn't get a lot of help in the second half. What are your thoughts on Marcus Freeman's uh, not even his debut because he coached he coached a bowl game last year, but what are your just your thoughts on Marcus Freeman as a head coach? Uh, I'm a big fan of Marcus Freeman, and, you know, he's 36 years old. He's one of the youngest coaches in college football. Uh, but he he's going to have – he's always going to have a tough football team that's prepared to play. And 
I, we didn't talk about it last week, uh, but he's a Buckeye. So I, we, we kind of touched on it, but he's a Buckeye through and through, and uh, he, he's always going to have his team prepared to play. So I think I think he looked really good. I think mm-hmm. they, they kept Tommy Reese as their offensive coordinator. So they're going to be – I think towards the end of the season is where they're really going to start clunking offensively. But their defense is going to be good this entire year. And I, I was talking trash on them last year. But they're going to – I always talk trash on Notre Dame. But they're, mm-hmm. they're going to be tough at the end of the year. And who knows, man, if they went out, they could be right there in the, in the discussion – for a college football playoff, so it wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you kind of we we do talk a lot of crap on Notre Dame. We always have for the most part, but at the same time, I think that Notre Dame might have a team, and I think Marcus Freeman is going to be a good coach. I do. I think he can lead this lead this Notre Dame team to great things. But as we're kind of shifting over to the offensive side of the ball, before we do so, guys, remember you guys can subscribe to the channel free with Amazon Prime. And part of subscribing to the channel, you have access to all our shows, all the recordings on the Twitch channel, that there are a lot of great shows down with the Browns, Faithful Dogs podcast, a lot of Brown shows. We have At the Corner for Guardians. We have a Cav show coming soon. So a lot of great content to subscribe for. You can do that free with Amazon Prime. But also, your chance to enter exclusive giveaways. We've given away training camp tickets, Mari Cooper jersey. I mean – the giveaways are just endless. So we're going to have more coming up as the season goes on, but also just remember you can do that for free with Amazon prime. And you guys can also follow the show itself at the SG underscore podcast. So feel free to give us a follow on Twitter. We really appreciate everyone's support. So JD, now as we move to the offensive side of the ball, I want to talk about the man that I think is going to win the Heisman trophy this year. And that is our quarterback, CJ Stroud. He, Graded elite, absolutely elite grade for C.J. Stroud. He was fantastic on offense as he had a 91.1 overall grade. And C.J. Stroud, we can't really say enough things about him. I mean, 24-34, 223 yards, two touchdowns. And, guys, something to mention, too, about C.J. Stroud. I have I was blessed with this amazing shirt here from our great partners at Homage. Get this shirt here and get ready for the Heisman campaign. DJ Stroud's going to be bringing a Heisman Trophy back to Columbus. I'm telling you, JD's got his homage gear on. You guys aren't going to find you guys aren't going to find shirts that are more comfortable. I, I seriously I, promise you. I think me, yeah, me, you, and Nick all wore our, our homage gear this weekend. Exactly. Uh, it, it's it's some good stuff. Comfy. They look amazing. This is something, too, that's fantastic. Not only do they have C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, this same shirt, Travion Henderson, OSU Jam shirts, which are absolute fire. I will be getting one at some point. They have C.J. Stroud and Jigba shirts. Mala shirt. But anyway. They got got Browns. They got Cavs. They got everything everything Ohio. Everything And plus some. So, yeah. Yeah. Guys, want to make sure – Go to homage.com, but also be sure to look on our Twitter account. Again, that's the SG underscore podcast. We're going to be posting links to some of the shirts that not only we have, but homage has that you guys could take a look at. But keep it on our other Twitter accounts at Network216 because we're posting shirts on there, posting deals for you guys. We're proud to be partners of homage. Like I said, we're not just saying this because we're partners. They make the most comfortable shirts and clothing you guys will find. Yeah. So three shirts before we <laughs> dude I, I had four one of them i actually got in tampa bay when i went to a raise game homage was there so something to keep in mind guys be sure go to homage.com but jd with cj stroud he just continues to blow us away you lose your top target and like we talked about he was a little he did seem a little out of sync the buckeyes were 7 of 13 on third down cj stroud 223 yards passing what are your thoughts on our on our quarterback? He also had throws, mind you, that we shared together. There aren't many even NFL quarterbacks that can make some of these throws that he's making when he's rolling out of the pocket and throwing to the sideline. He had that throw on third down to Mayan Williams on the sideline where he was rolling to his left, threw across his body. Absolutely perfect throw. 
Lion to a tap, gets it in, first down, continues the drive. We end up scoring a touchdown at the end of that drive. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was he was as good as you could have asked him to be without without JSN out there. Um, and like we, like we touched on earlier, uh, Notre Dame's defense came to play, and mm-hmm. and they made it really tough on Stroud and. Stroud didn't throw for 400 yards. He didn't throw for five touchdowns, but he he looked composed. And I think a lot of people, I, he gets this look in his eye where he like, he'll like stand there and he like they'll like cut to his face and he his eyes are really wide and his mouth's open. And he looks like he's afraid <laughs> at the moment, but I think that's just his like his resting face. He's just like this is always sitting there. Like <laughs> I don't think he's ever phased by the moment i think he's always he's extremely composed um and and he i think he missed on one throw and it was right before halftime when he had uh mbuka crossing to the left and he threw it behind mbuka and chris fowler's like oh he should have sat in the in the zone Mm -hmm. that throw easier for stroud but I think Stroud just missed him. He saw him late. He threw it late. And Mbuka, it, it's it's one of those things, all right? Like 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 I said with the defense, you don't know what Mbuka is taught to do. And if he if he continues that route and Stroud leads him, it's a touchdown. True. If he sits, if he sits in the zone, Stroud Stroud hits him. It's probably a touchdown. It's 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 one of those choice routes. So yeah. Emeka, what he and again, he's a young receiver. He has to read what he should do in that situation. Now, when you go back, because I I had the opportunity to watch the game again today. When you go back and look at it, if if he's going to hit him, if Stroud's going to hit him, it needs to be on that quick slant right away because Embuka had room to run. Now, if Embuka once he he needed to sit down in that zone, that's. 12 yards right there, freebie. If he yeah. sits right there where he should, because you had the safety going, you had the safety going to the left, like going to the left side of the field there. So it's tough because I get what you're saying. I think, and that's the thing with reps too. Yeah. Because Emeka Buka going in was not a starter this year. He it was Julian even... Fleming, Marvin Harrison Jr., Jackson Smith, and Jigba. JSN goes down, and Buka is going to get these reps. Well, okay. And Buka was already going to get more reps with Fleming being out, but with JSN being out, he this guy he was going to play nonstop. Like he wasn't going to come out, and he ended up being our leading receiver. What were your thoughts on Mecca Buka? Nine catches, ninety yards, and a touchdown. What were yeah, your thoughts I, on the young man? I thought he was superb, and uh, like so, we we all had our offensive players to watch for to start the season. Mm-hmm. We all chose receivers. So Nick, yeah. Nick had Marvin Harrison. We know how talented he is, especially with his Rose Bowl game last year. Mm-hmm. I picked Julian Fleming because I thought this is the year Julian Fleming is going to finally show us something. And then you picked Mecca Buka um, just because of how talented he was. So we, we all picked receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with Fleming going down, we knew we knew Buka and Harrison were going to be getting a lot of the targets. Uh, along with JSN, JSN goes down. Those are our top two receivers now. Um, and I thought I thought Mbuka looked great. Uh, the stats show it. Mbuka is number one. Harrison's number two in targets and receiving, or, yeah, receptions and yards. So mm-hmm. um, those were our top two receivers for the game. But yeah. also, I don't know if you thought this. Mbuka wearing number two, dude. If you take Mbuka's name and take it off the jersey, it looks he plays like Olave. Yeah. He's such a smooth this kid's such a smooth route runner. And I'm oh man, the fact that I, I, I told you this, I think with the game he had on Saturday, now we'll learn more when JSN is back healthy and in the lineup. I think Mbuka might have put himself in the starting lineup. I, I think yeah. now we're looking at when healthy JSN, we're looking at Marvin Harrison Jr. looking at Emeka Mbuka. Personally, I think Fleming has to earn his way in there because you're at the point now. Fleming, unfortunately, has been decimated by injury throughout his career. And it's the reason that I'm glad he's still at Ohio State, but I've always been surprised he hasn't transferred because things just don't seem to be clicking here for him the way he needs to do to injury. And you have groups of receivers. 
We have more coming in next year. Brandon Inus in 2024, we might have Jeremiah, Jeremiah Smith coming in, five-star number one receiver in that class. I, I don't. Fleming's Fleming's running out of time, man. He's running out of time to, to make an impact before uh, I think he's this, got to pass him up. Yeah, it's, I'm going to say this week against Arkansas State is going to be a really big week for these receivers. Well, really the next two weeks, Arkansas State, Toledo. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw we saw a couple receivers really get a lot of playing time uh, that yeah. they normally wouldn't see it. Xavier Johnson caught a huge touchdown, and we were <laughs> we were in the group chat. We're just like, who is that? Like, have you even <laughs> heard of this guy, Xavier Johnson? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Ballard caught a couple balls. Um, Kate Stover got in the action, caught a couple. Uh, he only had like fourteen yards receiving, but he was involved in the passing game. Mm-hmm. But I think I think this next coming week, if if Fleming can get healthy with JSN out. Uh, it might not be the worst thing ever. It's going to give these players that wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity to get on the field, you know, go out there, get really valuable reps, and get a lot of them. Um, so I expect to fully see Mbuka out there. Uh, Xavier Johnson is going to get a lot of reps this, this coming week, along with with Ballard. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it sounds like Fleming was injured in warmups. Yeah. And that's – this is where I'm at now with this. If it's a severe injury, like, Fleming's to the point now with his Buckeye career, this man needs to find a way to get on the field. Like, like if you're banged up a little bit, like, man, you might have to push through it. Because Xavier Johnson, Jaden Ballard, you have these guys now that have gotten game reps. If Fleming continues to have injuries, even when he comes back, why would they put Fleming above these guys? Because, one, he's proven he can't stay healthy – and two, he hasn't shown that really he can produce when he's on the field consistently. So that's the other issue. And Xavier Johnson, like, we got to talk about this guy. Transfer out of Cincinnati. One, he's known to be a really good special teams player. Grid out is 69.6. He, uh, of course, only two catches, 34 yards, and a touchdown. But when they got him the ball in that third quarter, this kid looks like he can play football. And you yeah. obviously have to have some talent to play wide receiver at Ohio State. Not just anybody can do that. What are your thoughts on Xavier Johnson? Do you think, depending on injuries and whatnot, he might have a, more of a role as we go more into the season? Because he came out of nowhere, and they saw he could per- perform. Well, not only did he catch that touchdown, he made the tackle on the kickoff right after. Yeah. Like, he, he uh, was playing with some energy. You know, he was excited to be out there. Uh, finally getting an opportunity and they they asked him after the game about the touchdown and he he was saying and and the coaches were just raving about him putting in hard work and stuff like that but he said he he never thought he'd get that opportunity mm-hmm. and, and so the, I think the fact that he got it he was able to score a touchdown in such a big game at home under the lights uh, at the horseshoe was I think that ended up being like hopefully, hopefully the start of something great this season for him. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's a really good shot he gets more playing time. And like I said, I think Arkansas State Toledo, uh, these two games coming up, I'm, I'm I'm thinking this is kind of the the two weeks where we start seeing the the separation of who's going to be getting that playing time going forward with with the receivers. Uh, because I think really, you can only say there's about there's three receivers that are going to get majority reps: JSN, Marvin Harrison, and Abuka. And yeah, and they're not going to play every single snap. They're not going to play every single drive. So realistically, there's about two receiver positions still up for grabs for reps. Um, so Xavier Johnson's looking like he wants it. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're going to get Bab involved. Uh, I hope I hope he can get on the field. I, know, and we I want to see him it. play so bad. We were talking about it because this would have been a really great game to see him on. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and maybe they just think Xavier Johnson brings a little bit more to the table than Bab does offensively or athletically yeah. or whatever it may be. But I think I think we'll see it going into Wisconsin. 
and then hopefully as the season progresses, because the schedule is it's not like the NFL, right? We're not gonna have a a banger every week where we're just we're playing twenty one ten every week. So uh, <laughs> Arkansas yeah. State Toledo are obviously gonna be games. Rutgers gonna be a game where we get to kind of evaluate talent. And those mm-hmm. are games that we're probably going to play a lot of those redshirt freshmen. That because I think what you get four games as a redshirt freshman to kind of come out and play, and, and then the team can kind of assess if they need you later on in the year. So, mm-hmm. so those are games where we're going to see a lot of true freshmen come out, um, and then we hit we hit the bus all of the schedule once we hit Michigan State, Iowa, Penn State. I don't know about Iowa's offense. Kind of- that gets tough, man. And I think <laughs> I think that game at Maryland could be a game as far as, like, looking too far ahead. Maryland's Maryland's always been decent. Not not great. They have two as brother quarterback, and they got some other solid players there. But something to look at later on. But I want to move on. And to finish up with the offense, I want to give you the floor here. Because a man performed pretty well on Saturday. You said he was a sleeper going into this season. I don't even know if maybe he's even a sleeper. I think there's a legit possibility. We love Travion Henderson. We do. Mayan Williams is going to play a role with this Ohio State offense. And we saw it on Saturday night. This was a game that was dominated at the line of scrimmage in that fourth quarter. It had to be. We talked about it. Whoever won the the line of scrimmage was going to win this football game. Mayan Williams is a power back, and if you want a guy that's going to get you five yards, like just banging into dudes nonstop for about 20 carries a game, he's going to be the guy to do it. 14 carries, 84 yards, and a touchdown. Talk about Mayan Williams because this – I don't know if you I was expecting this on Saturday night. You doubted me. I did. I did. <laughs> I did. All right. So, and I think he surprised me in this game. I was not expecting him to be such a powerful runner. Mm-hmm. I, in my mind, when I when I watch last year, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, uh, Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams, they're the same player in my mind. But Mayan Williams lacks the explosiveness of Travion Henderson. That, like in my mind, they're they're skilled about the same, but you just have the explosiveness, the playmaking ability of Trayvon Henderson that separates him. Mine Williams proved this weekend that he has a skill that Trayvon Henderson does not quite possess yet, and that is power running. And I don't know if it's that Trayvon can't do it. I think he can. We've seen him I do think, it. It's just I not think consistent. He can, but Mine Williams was running with a vengeance this weekend. He was throwing stiff arms, and they weren't stiff arms. They were punches. He was he was throwing dudes when he had when he got the football. Uh, he was running hard. He was running for the extra yardage. Uh, it almost reminded me of with with the single digit number. If he was wearing twenty eight, it would have been like Beanie Williams or dude. Like yes, okay, but, yeah. But, but with the single digit, it was like Boom Heron. He's like in there. He's getting those tough yards. Um, Carlos Hyde's another name that comes to mind yeah, too just, for me. Just getting the yardage, and and he wasn't. He didn't have a super explosive play, but he had 14 carries, 84 yards. He had six yards of carry, and there was that drive in the third quarter where he got that big third down catch for 12 yards. Uh, on the sidelines that literally saved the drive. And then we go down there, score the touchdown, and I was hooting and hollering in the group chat uh, because because he was my sleeper for the season, and he, he just looks so good. Um, but he him and, him and Travion were just complimenting each other so well. And I even pointed out in the, in the highlight of, of Mayan scoring that touchdown, Travion's running off the sideline, just hype. Um, and you know, these guys are brothers and they're, and you know, as if one of them succeeded and they're both succeeding and, and they were, they just, you know, they both, they basically split carries. So mm-hmm. they were almost alternating every drive. Travion had 15 carries, 91 yards, mine 14, 84. Um, so they were split pretty even and they were both 
they didn't really use them in the passing game other than the Mayan Williams catch on third down. But running the ball, they use them evenly. They're spelling each other. Uh, but they're both bringing something to the table, which I, I think is really important for the offense. And, you know, they decided to go with Mayan. The, the offensive line went, went beast mode, and they actually got some push, and, and we went down there and scored a touchdown that ultimately beat – was the turning point of the game because Notre Dame never scored after that point. So, yeah, I mean, once that happened, that was it. And as we're kind of wrapping up on Notre Dame, because we're going to move ahead here and uh, talk about Arkansas state for a few minutes. I think one of the keys we talked about was controlling the line of scrimmage, which is something we didn't necessarily do in the first half and the second half. Absolutely. Did that. We had to contain Michael Mayer. They more, more than accomplished that. So, I mean, as we're kind of getting ready to move on here, something else I thought that was pretty interesting, some defensive stats I just want to bring up because I feel like we have to. They allowed – Ohio State's defense allowed 1.2 yards before contact per rush, per rush attempt. That's their fourth lowest rate since the start of 2000 – since uh, 2021. They contacted the ball carrier at or behind the line of scrimmage on 63% of their carries. That's the second highest rate since 2021. They allowed three receptions of 10-plus yards downfield. And the only teams they held to fewer have been Indiana and Rutgers. And Mike Hall Jr. had three QB pressures, two QB hits, a sack, and two tackles for loss. So just wanted to wrap up with that. What are your final takeaways from this game as we are going to move on and talk about uh, week two? Obviously, it was a grinded-out game, a very close game, a lot closer than we expected, I, I would say for sure. What are your, what, what's your uh, main takeaway as we wrap this up? I think the main takeaway, um, Ryan Day touched on it in his, his post-game conference, but he, he said this was a game where, where the team could learn a lot from, from the victory. Uh, I think what he meant by that was there, there are definitely things that they need to improve, uh, whether that's offensively in the secondary on defense. But the most important thing was that they won the game. Um, and and I, I saw somebody tweet it uh, right after the game. They said, if this was last year, with this defense last year, it's very similar to the Oregon game. It kind of came down to you know the last possession. It was really close throughout the entire game. And the defense couldn't get it done. Um, and they said if this was the same defense as last year, we would have lost the game. Um, so there's there's a satisfaction in knowing that we finally have a defense that can hold an opponent to 10 points if our offense only scores 21. So I think I think that it was a it was a good thing to see that we could win a tough game like that early on in the season. And now we can kind of build towards the, the ultimate goal of a national championship. Um, <laughs> we don't have to start the season with a loss. So, yeah. so we're able to see a lot. We learned a lot about the Buckeyes. Um, but we know that their defense is for real, that they're energized to be out there and play, and that we have not seen the best of this offense to start the season. So I think those are some big things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a grinded-out game, there's no doubt. And I think we saw Ohio State can win games like this. I don't know if last year we could win a game like this with the defense stepping up the way they did. So I think that was huge. The fact that you lose your top receiver, C.J. Stroud plays as well as he did. Because, again, people are still saying, well, he didn't light it up. Okay, he wasn't playing Utah State like Bryce Young, so let's just get that straight. But anyway – just needs to be said, they found ways to win given circumstances. So you love to see that. And we are moving on. We're going to talk about this week's opponent. I, I'm really not going to laugh because this is a program in the past that has been decent. They normally make bowl games, but last year, Arkansas State went 2-10. and And they've gone out and hired Butch Jones as their head coach. Butch Jones obviously has been at Cincinnati, been at Tennessee, won a national championship with Alabama. So... He's a pretty solid head coach that they brought in. At quarterback, they have a former Florida State transfer, and that is James Blackman. 
at quarterback. We know he's athletic. We know he like he can make plays with his feet. He's not the most accurate passer, but again, he is athletic. And at running back, they have someone Ohio State fans might remember, and that is Mr. Brian Sneed, who transfer who was at Ohio State, transferred to Austin Perry, and now he is back D one playing Arkansas State. JD, this is a game that Ohio State is favored by forty four points. That that's how much we're favored by. What do you want to see this weekend? Because again, we're gonna. I think we're, this is gonna be a game that we can all agree should be over by the end of the first quarter, if not halftime. So, what do you want to see this weekend from the Buckeyes in a game like this? I think it's basically corrections from the Notre Dame game. So things that we didn't see offensively and defensively. I think offensively we were lacking big plays. So I want to see. I want to see CJ Stroud make some big throws uh, down the field. Uh, we didn't see it a whole lot, and, and partially that's because of, you know, JSN being out. But um, I'd like to see him, you know, attack attack the deep ball a little bit, get some work with those receivers um, downfield. Uh, offensively, let's establish a run game a little bit before we, you know, give up a lead. Let's, let's, let's get the offensive in – Get the get the offense in a rhythm because, like I said, with with the pass heavy offense, if you're if you're going over one, two for one, or yeah, like zero for one, zero for two on the first two pass attempts of your drive, you're now at third and long, and now you're throwing the ball again, and now you just ran off ten seconds of the clock, and and that just puts your team in a hole, and if you're not completing those passes. You're you're just you're kind of stuck offensively. So I'd like to see get the running game going a little bit. Get some you know third and medium, third and shorts, uh, and just get that get that offense clicking. So that's what I want to see offensively. Defensively, I just I'd like to see some more Jack Sawyer um, getting tackles. He was definitely making a presence this past week with just being all over the field. Um, he had a big pass deflection on third down, but I'd like to see him in the backfield a little bit more, making some plays, um, and then the secondary kind yeah. of locking down receivers. Um, secondary has to bounce back this week. Yeah. If you're if if you're getting torched against Arkansas State, we got some serious problems yep. that I don't know Jim Knowles can fix. If you're if you got corners and safeties getting torched by Arkansas State, and again, it's no offense to Tavalius Hunt, their leading receiver, who averaged over 14.5 yards a catch his first season with Arkansas State, 740 yards, six touchdowns last year. But if this guy is shredding you, this is a problem. Like that, that it can't happen. But so that's one thing that I think we have to see. We have to see a secondary that's bounced back. I think you have to contain James Blackman at quarterback. This is the guy that he has played at, like he played at Florida state. He played in power five. I mean, he's not again, the greatest quarterback, but he's got a quick delivery so he can get the ball to the short field pretty well. He does have a really good arm strength. It's just the accuracy is his biggest thing. That's why he never worked out at Florida state, but the talents there, I think also on the defense, I kind of want to hit an Arkansas State's defensive side of the ball because they do have some decent, like some pretty solid players on the defensive side. And it kind of hit on first. I want to go on the defensive line. And this is their top overall defensive player. At least, this is at least in my opinion, I think. And that is Kyvon, um, Kevon Bennett. This is a guy who used to play at Tennessee, actually transferred to Arkansas State. Um, after playing four years at Tennessee, eight sacks last year, he is basically their defensive stopper on on that side of the ball. He is their best player. I think you can go ahead and double him, and that would be huge as far as just trying to take him out of the game. But then at cornerback, you have Kenneth Harris. Kenneth Harris is a six-one corner. He is their best corner. I think you have this Ohio State receiving core. Go after him early and really try to get under his skin. Get under his skin. Show show that you are the better team. 
What I don't like sometimes, and we've seen it in the past, J.D., with Ohio State teams in general, sometimes we play to our level of competition rather than just going out and just blowing the doors off a team. We Under Ryan Day, I admit we've seen it more to where we are doing that. But in the past with Ohio State teams, we get frustrated because we don't play to the what we're capable of. We're playing to our opponent. This is at home at the shoot. This should this should be a 40-50 point blowout. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I definitely know what you're talking about with playing to the level of your opponent. Mm-hmm. We've seen it in the past. And, like, it, it might not be uh, – Throughout the entire game, right? It still might be like a 40, 35 point win, but we see it where it starts off slow and that first quarter is close. And those, and it happens throughout college football every weekend where yeah. the team that's supposed to win the game uh, by a favorable margin gives that underdog an opportunity or some hope with turnovers or just slow play or whatever it may be. Um, and, and so I think that's something that we need to avoid this week. I think that Ohio State has a lot to prove to themselves um, in terms of just improving upon what they did last week and, and getting to the level that they know they can play at. So I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to see it. I honestly don't. I think I think this team's locked in. Um but it is one of those things that they they have to be aware of. So I, I think I think they'll handle Arkansas State pretty easily. What's your predi- what, what's your prediction for this weekend? If you if you had to put a score on it, do we oh. cover the spread first off? <laughs> what's the spread? 44? Forty four. Forty four. Yeah, yeah. It'll be like we might get the sixties. Honestly. So okay. It might, it might be like sixty. Sixty-one ten or something. I I don't know. I I think <laughs> <laughs> I think that CJ Stroud's only going to play the first half. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see a lot of Kyle McCord um, and a lot of the the second string guys getting an opportunity. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be like thirty-five three at halftime or whatever. So okay, I for me. I, I, I'm going to say this. I don't think we're going to cover the spread. I think we're going to win 48 to 10. I, I, I We're going to blow we're, we're gonna blow them out. We're going to beat them. I, I don't think they'll cover the spread, though. I think it's going to be 48 to 10. I think Arkansas State, they'll score. I, I don't think we're going to shut them out. I think they'll score. But, again, it should be over by halftime. C.J. Stroud shouldn't be playing after the half. If he is, something's gone wrong. Now, unless unless Ryan Day wants another drive, sure. But if it's close at halftime, we're all going to be pretty pissed off. <laughs> I, I, I will be. I'll, I'll just be honest. I, I, yeah. I'll be pretty mad if it's close at halftime. But those are our predictions for the week. We think we're absolutely going to blow out Arkansas State. As we're getting you guys ready here, just a reminder that we are proud to be partners with Underdog Fantasy. and You have to sign up for Best Ball Mania 3, guys. Only a couple more days to enter for your chance to win $10 million in prizes. Only costs $25 to enter. It's a bargain because they're going to set your lineups every week. You get to draft your team. There's no salary cap, no waivers, no trades. Underdog handles everything for you. And if you use code 216, you have your chance to double your first deposit up to $100. But also remember, guys, Down with the Browns is live as soon as our show ends. So you want to make sure you tune into for that to get you ready for week one against the Carolina Panthers. We also have one more announcement. Be sure to join the Network 216 crew as the Barking Browns will be live from Platform Beer Company. We are going to be having a live football show to get you ready for the start of the regular season. So you guys will want to make sure that you are there for that. That's going to be 11 o'clock on Sunday gonna have a lot of fun we're gonna have some giveaways we might get to speak uh to some former legend football legends so you guys gonna make sure that you're available for that if you're not don't worry we'll have it live for you on the twitch channel also be sure once again subscribe to the to network 216 if you are not free to do with amazon prime you get answered into exclusive giveaways but also you get access to all the shows that are on our network nine different shows available to you guys 
And be sure to follow us on Twitter. That is at the SG underscore podcast on Twitter. We're going to try and be tweeting live for you guys during games, giving our opinions, hosting live spaces during halftime, during the season when we're able to. That way we can interact with you guys, get perspectives. uh, But we're going to be back live next Monday night at 630. Be sure to follow Jordan Dalton. That's Jordan Lee Dalton on Twitter. You can follow me at T underscore Johnson underscore TJ. Guys, this has been the Scarlet and Gray Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in tonight, and go Buckeyes!